On today's episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast, we're talking about three position groups that showed out for the Louisville Cardinals on Friday evening in the season opener against Georgia Tech. With that being said, let's get right on into the show. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I want to take this time to personally thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the Locked On Louisville Podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. As I mentioned in the opener, we're discussing three position groups that showed out for the Louisville Cardinals in the season opener win against Georgia Tech last Friday evening. Obviously not the only position groups that showed out, but I wanted to talk about these three in particular. We're going to talk about why the wide receiver room is going to be absolutely dangerous this season. We'll also talk about, is this going to be a balanced backfield for Louisville? And then finally, we will discuss the defensive line stepping up big time in the second half against Georgia Tech. And really, all honesty, three of the four quarters. So we'll start out on the offensive side of the ball. On paper for the Louisville Cardinals, this wide receiver room looked to be very much improved, not only from a season ago, but really over the past couple of seasons since Louisville had Tutu Atwell and Des Fitzpatrick. They got Jamari Thrash from Georgia State, Kevin Coleman Jr. from Jackson State, Jimmy Callaway from Tennessee, and um, Jaden Thompson from Cincinnati, Amari Huggins-Bruce, and Chris Bell returned as well. On paper, obviously, you have to be careful because – None of this matters unless they show it on the field. Now, granted, this wasn't a perfect performance on Friday evening in the 39-34 victory over Georgia Tech. However, I think that the unit showed enough to show that they are going to be very dangerous for the rest of the season. Make no mistake about it. This is a Georgia Tech defense that is still trying to find its identity, but as Jackson Caudell, the uh, publisher for Sports Illustrated's Georgia Tech All Yellow Jackets site said last week on this show, the defense is still coming around. However, the backfield, the, the secondary, is going to be the strength of this defense. And really, if it wasn't for some you know missed timing situations for Louisville on offense, this offense really could have put up more points because the wide receivers were consistently creating the separation. Simply put, nobody could guard Jamari Thrash all night. Kevin Coleman Jr., Amari Huggins-Bruce, Chris Bell all created mismatches that Georgia Tech just really struggled to guard. Um, granted, there was some mishaps in the first half. Some, I think you can chalk this up due to rust offensively lack of chemistry built up. I mean, it is only game one. So you understand that there are going to be some bumps in the road. There's going bumps in the road. There's going to be some uh, growing pains when it comes to building that chemistry. Some balls were underthrown. Um, other balls were thrown behind the receiver, but nonetheless, I don't expect Jack Plummer to struggle 
you know, moving forward in the season. We talked about that on the most recent episode with uh, State of Louisville football analyst Grant Mulligan saying that, look, I mean, it's game one. He hasn't played in a couple months. It wasn't the greatest performance. I mean, you didn't leave that game feeling absolutely, um, you know, fantastic about the performance, but he was better in the second half. And Brom showed that when his quarterback's struggling, he's going to make it to where he gets his receivers the ball out in space. And they absolutely, um, you know, dominated the Georgia Tech defense when that happened for the Cardinals. So um, ultimately, I personally think that um, the wide receivers showed more throughout the game, even when the ball wasn't being thrown to them because of the separation that was being created. You saw the Georgia Tech secondary struggle to stay with the Louisville receivers for the most part. Now, granted, they did make some big-time plays and credit to them for making those, um, but it was pretty evident. And I don't want to get too high, nor do I want to get too low here, but I believe this at the beginning that Louisville had a very, very dangerous wide receiving core, but now I believe it in a further sense because I think it's one of the best committees in the ACC um, at this point I think Florida State is probably the only wide receiving core that I know for sure to be better than Louisville's and I think it's going to rival those that Louisville has had over the past decade or so um, that we've seen with very very solid receivers so look I think Jamari Thrash obviously he's as good as advertised but he showed on Friday that he's as good as advertised, but he's even better than that. I struggle to believe that there are three, maybe even five wide receivers better than Jamari Thrash in the ACC. When you look at the stat line, I mean, it's nothing that's going to wow you, although it's a pretty damn good stat line. Seven catches for 88 yards and two touchdowns. Both of those touchdowns coming at or coming in the second half. But he was creating separation all night long. When he got the ball, he consistently broke tackles, showed that second-level speed, that shiftiness, that elusiveness, his ability to get into the pockets of the defense. And once he got the ball to be able to make stuff happen, he showed that he is an exceptional route runner. That's something else to focus on. The touchdown in the back of the end zone was not only the result of a great, great pass from Jack Plummer, but also Thrash beating his man off the route and we also can't forget the um, stop and go route that gave Louisville the lead in the second half it was a fantastic move the cornerback that was guarding Thrash came on a blitz to Plummer's strong side Um, that blitz was picked up by Louisville uh, before he got to Plummer and the safety was then tasked to come over to guard Thrash in a one-on-one situation on the right side, gave him a stop-and-go move that completely froze the defender, and Thrash then, as a result, had a pretty routine touchdown catch in the back of the end zone, but showed that um, that ability to really sell those routes and uh, showed overall how complete of a receiver that he is. You look at this core as a whole, the wide receiving core that is specifically, and when you have a true wide receiver one like Thrash who created mismatches and separation all night long, I think it's definitely encouraging to see 
for this group moving forward. But he wasn't the only one that had some solid moments. Kevin Coleman Jr., a player that I have been extremely high on throughout the offseason, caught the first touchdown pass for Louisville. He had three for 66 and a touchdown. He had the catch to where Plummer evaded traffic and, um, you know, scrambled over to his left, threw a bullet pass to Coleman, who caught the ball in traffic. Coleman had the longest reception of the night for Louisville, went 40 yards, but he also had the touchdown catch that was thrown to him out on the sideline. He beat his man one-on-one and found the end zone past the safety. I think that he is another guy who is going to be used as a home run potential player. Uh, He is definitely a great wide receiver too. There is a, a great debate to happen that you could say that Coleman could be a wide receiver one on a lot of other teams. And I do think that to be true if you didn't have a Jamari Thrash-esque player within the rotation. But having two guys like that in your offense, I mean, it's a dangerous, dangerous wide receiving core moving forward. But you also have Chris Bell, who caught two passes for 40 yards. Amari Huggins-Bruce had three for 18. He also had a carry for 11 yards on an end-around. Jimmy Callaway had, a, I think, a dropped pass. In the first half, he had a catch for 16 yards, and then I think that the running backs are going to play uh, a portion in the um, receiving game as well. But Chris Bell, Jamari Thrash, I'm sorry, Chris Bell, Omari Huggins, Bruce, Jimmy Callaway, and Jaden Thompson are all going to play a role for this wide receiving room moving forward. But I think that we sort of see that. I mean, granted, you can't take two concrete of takeaways away from game one on the schedule. But I think that you sort of have a little bit of confirmation bias when you see that Jamari Thrash and Kevin Coleman Jr. seem to be the top two targets in this offense. You know, when that's been talked about all offseason, I think you're going to see Amari Huggins-Bruce have more of a role as we move forward, Chris Bell, it was nice to see him on the field and have a solid two for 40 game for the Cardinals. And then I think that Jimmy Calway and Jaden Thompson are also players to focus on. What's interesting to me, not one tight end caught a pass for Louisville, uh, whether that be Josh Livson, Jamari Johnson, Nate Kariski, or Joey Gatewood. None of them caught a pass from Jack Plummer. We'll see how that um you know, boats for the tight end position as we move forward in the season. But nonetheless, I think it needs to be acknowledged that this wide receiver room is really going to be dangerous, one of the best groups in the ACC. So I, I do now want to talk about another position, one that sort of surprised me on Friday night by how balanced it was in its approach. That is the running backs room. Um Three players had over six carries. Actually, four players had over six carries for the Cardinals. We'll talk about um, the Cardinals rushing attack here momentarily after we talk about our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage section and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game 
in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So moving on into the second segment of the show, we're discussing three position groups that showed out for the Louisville Cardinals in that season opening victory over Georgia Tech 39-34 to down in Atlanta in the Mercedes-Benz Dome on Friday evening. Um... We just talked about the wide receiving core. The running backs committee definitely surprised me, the rushing attack as a whole, because I would have expected Jawar Jordan to receive the majority of the carries. And if it wasn't for a 74-yard touchdown run for the Cardinals starting running back, he might not have led the team in rushing yards. There were four players who had over six carries. Now, granted, one of those players is the quarterback. Plummer um, kept the ball nine times. He had 51 yards, second best on the team. But Maurice Turner and Isaac Garendo both saw a good portion of the workload in the Cardinals' backfield. Turner, seven for 30. Garendo, six for 27. Now, there was rumors that Jordan may have gotten banged up in the game against Georgia Tech, but um, when I was looking for the answer to that question. He came onto the field and the very next play had a 74 yard touchdown run for him to elude the tackle, break the tackle um, sort of five yards downfield and then accelerate to the point to which he got to, to get to the touchdown was nothing short of remarkable. I read from some account on Twitter that he reached a top end speed of 20.7 miles per hour. I forget what account that is. I apologize. Shout out to them. Um, but that was incredible. But overall, it seemed like the Louisville rushing attack was pretty decent. I mean, it wasn't as good of a performance as we've seen in years past with uh, more solid performances, but I think that that was more so the byproduct of Louisville looking to get crafty on offense and extend the passing game. But Overall, the Cardinals rushed 34 times for 227 yards and one touchdown. You may think, well, the 74-yard touchdown run definitely contributed to those numbers. You're not wrong, but overall, at least a respectable performance. But I was pretty shocked by how balanced the attack was. I knew that Maurice Turner and Isaac Garendo were going to get their touches in this offense. I just thought Jawar Jordan was going to get more, but I came away satisfied with the performance because this balanced attack is going to be something that keeps defenses off balance throughout the season. Number one, you rotate guys in and out to keep them fresh. That was a major focal point for Brom in the offseason is keeping guys fresh, both offensively and defensively. That helps but you have solid players behind Jordan, and that's, I think, the key thing I'm going to focus on in this segment of the show is that Maurice Turner and Isaac Garendo are more than capable backups that can come in and give you very, very solid moments. Um, if you listen to the episode with Grant Mulligan on yesterday's show, he mentioned Maurice Turner as an underrated individual performance because although he only rushed for 30 yards on seven carries, he also played a solid performance in the pass blocking scheme and 
along with um, Isaac Garendo. Garendo had one catch for 13 yards in the second half, but he carried the ball six for 27. I would expect him to be sort of the short yardage goal line running back for Louisville in the backfield. But nonetheless, I think that having options is something that we saw last year and honestly the past couple of years as being a huge benefit that if, hey, if this matchup isn't working, you can go with a different player uh, who has the hot hand to be able to um, you'll be able to carry you to victory. We saw over years past when Javian Hawkins wasn't doing well, Hassan Hall was. When Travion Cooley wasn't doing well, Jalen Mitchell was, or Tyon Evans was, or Jawar Jordan and Maurice Turner were. So it's something that I'm extremely I was surprised about, but looking back on it, I'm sort of glad that it ended the way it did because we saw how good Jawar Jordan was. Didn't have the greatest performance leading up to that big run, but we saw the home run ability of Jordan as that play unfolded, you know, as he ran for the touchdown. But we also saw how good the other players were in this backfield with Maurice Turner, with Isaac Garendo. Um, but also something that I want to see if it's going to be something that is sustainable or if it was just a matter of circumstance. But Jack Plummer in his career. Looking at his rushing yards, granted, a lot of times you have to uh, con- you have to conclude or not conclude. You have to combine sack yardage with um, the overall rushing totals. But he did not get sacked on Friday evening. He turned nine carries into fifty-one yards. Now um, that's something that when you look at statistics over the past couple of years, you don't look at Jack Plummer and think of a mobile quarterback, but I was impressed by the six foot five, six foot five um, signal callers ability to scramble what it did for this offense, because it kept the defense honest. I think that there were points in this game to where you credit the offensive line for not allowing a sack for not having a ton of quarterback hurries. And you should, that's something that you definitely should do, but also credit is due to Plummer for his ability to react. When that pressure came, you saw him uh, evade the pass rush throw on the run, but also get up into the second level of the defense and take contact and extend drives, extend series move the sticks on first down or move the sticks to create first down situations and um everything in between so something that i'm interested to see how this moves going forward now granted you can't put too much stock into the game against murray state because it's going to be one of those games to where you're probably going to see louisville open up and uh play players that weren't going to see a ton of time throughout the season. It should, by all means, be a significant margin, but we will see. You have to obviously play the game and, um, you know, get that margin. But ultimately, if everything goes well, there shouldn't be too many takeaways from this game against Murray State. However, um, it is a game to where I think that maybe a pattern is had where I think that we're going to see the players in the backfield split carries again. I think that the Indiana game is definitely the the one that we have to focus on moving forward that we look at and see, okay, what's going to happen here for Louisville in the rushing attack? But I'm extremely excited to see how balanced it was. But 
Nonetheless, they aren't the only position group that was very balanced. The defensive line had multiple players play across Friday night. We're going to talk about that here momentarily. Before we do that, I want to thank you all again for making Locked On the Louisville your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the show is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. Every day is on tomorrow's episode of the show, or it might get published later on tonight. We're going to preview the matchup against Murray State. Obviously, many expect Louisville to win, but I want to talk about some things that I want to see from the Cardinals in this matchup. We'll talk final thoughts. We'll talk predictions, players to watch, etc. So be sure to stay tuned to that episode that will air in less than 24 hours. But to conclude this Wednesday edition of the Locked on the Louisville podcast, we're talking about the defensive line they performed pretty well. Multiple players across the defensive line saw action. Um, I was extremely impressed by the overall depth that the unit possessed. They didn't have a great second quarter, nor did the defense as a whole, nor did the offense. The team had a very bad second quarter. Four of the five drives in the second quarter for Georgia Tech were touchdowns. The fifth one was a situation where Georgia Tech intercepted a pass with less than 20 seconds and had to resort to a long field goal attempt, which they did not convert, um, but made some adjustments in the second half, really bottled up the run for Georgia Tech and um, did their best to limit big plays. You have to do a little bit better moving forward in limiting the yardage plays, but overall the Louisville defensive line was pretty solid, and it starts with Des Tell. He forced that key fumble in the fourth quarter when Louisville was up by one. It looked like Georgia Tech was going to, at the very least, kick a field goal and take the lead, but Des Tell had other plans. He created that fumble off the pass rush, um, attacked Haynes King from the blind side, and um, forced that fumble that Cam Wilson recovered, and it completely shifted the momentum for this game. He had a fin. He had a fantastic game um, on the interior of the defensive line. Only three tackles, but his impact spans across the stat sheet. You also had guys like Stephen Heron. The Stanford transfer had three tackles. He played really well. Cam Wilson had three tackles. Jeff Clark, the transfer from um, the transfer from Georgia State, had a couple tackles for Louisville. Um, that you know he made a couple of big time plays. But overall, I was impressed with the whole defensive line. Ashton Gelati, Tofik Thomas, uh, Ramon Purrier, Adonijah Green. The list goes on. I was impressed with the entirety of the defensive line, how they played, how they won one-on-one matchups against the offensive linemen in the second half. And I think that that definitely contributed to being able to bottle up that yellow jacket run, which then in turn sort of made the Georgia Tech offense one-dimensional to where the secondary definitely reaped the benefits of that. And that's something that I am extremely excited for moving forward. Not to mention, Jermaine Lole also played, um, I think it was 39, 29 or 39 snaps he uh, transferred in from Arizona State before last season, got hurt in the season opener against Syracuse, missed the entirety of the season, now is healthy. And if he is on the field for Louisville, I think that it is going to be extremely beneficial to the Cardinals' defensive line unit as a whole and the defense you know, overall as well. But um, overall, I think you have to be impressed with the overall depth 
that's something that I keep coming back to is you had, I think, 10 players on that defensive line play for Louisville on Friday evening, and that is such a luxury to have because obviously the trust is there from the coaching staff to put them in these situations. Valuable rotational depth is something that we focused on. We talked about the rushing attack being balanced. That's because you have the uh, quality depth to be able to fill that need, and it's the same for the defensive line and other positions as well, offensive line, so on and so forth. So extremely excited with what we saw from the Cardinals' defensive line, both on the interior and on the edge despite the Cardinals only having one sack and two tackles for loss. Look, I think a lot of that is because the you could tell Georgia Tech's offense knew that Louisville had a good defensive pass rush and interior defensive line because once they snapped the ball, I mean, you saw Haynes King have two seconds and boom, the ball was out of his hands. You didn't really see Georgia Tech go deep a lot. Most of their big yardage plays were throws out into the flat or – toward the boundary to where the skilled position players essentially just made things happen and were able to get up to the second level of the defense due to missed tackles. But you didn't really see Georgia Tech air the ball out. Um, you know, for the most part, Louisville bottled up the run and uh, won the one-on-one opportunities uh, with the defensive line. So um, you credit that to the scheme for Georgia Tech looking to hurry up the offense. They did do hurry up offense um, a decent amount in the game to keep the Louisville defense off balance, to keep them gassed, to not allow them to substitute and to try to attack the team that way. But overall, I thought that the Louisville defensive line did a pretty solid job. So, um, I, I mean, the running backs room, the wide receiver room, the defensive line position, those aren't the only three position groups that stood out on Friday evening. I mean, you could make a case for almost every position you know, potentially outside of uh, tight end and maybe quarterback that stood out. Um, but overall, those are the three that I wanted to talk about on today's episode of the show. I'm going to put up a graphic for you to find the show on all streaming services, but that's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.